Thanks for checking out this weekly Sunday message from Carrollton UMC. We pray that God will use this to speak to you and help you grow in faith. We invite you to join us this Sunday at our 10.30 a.m. one-hour service in person at our location in Uptown New Orleans or live online on our YouTube channel or Facebook page. To learn more about Carrollton, please visit carrolltonumc.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Ezekiel 36, 20 through 28. And wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name, for it was said of them, these are the Lord's people, and yet they had to leave his land. I had concern for my holy name, which the people of Israel profaned among the nations where they had gone. Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you back, all, gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your, all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God. The word of God for us, the people of God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of all of my, of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you in all ways, for you are our rock and our ever-present redeemer. Amen. So this week, Chris Atkins, where's Chris? He's up there. He contact, you know, he's the guy who's visiting us today playing guitar. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Uh, he called me on the matter of our website. Now, we're working on our website to make it a really good website. It's, it's been improved vastly over the months. And we're also working on, on search engine optimization. Y'all know what that is? So that, that when people are out there looking for a church, they can find this one on there. And by the way, I, I encourage you all, take a look at our website. And if you thinking, were thinking, like if I was out looking for a church and I saw this website, would it appeal to me or not? And let us know, because we will make changes to make the thing right. And I told Chris, I said, as far as I know, the website is still the point of first contact. It's where people first make their touch with a church when they're looking for a church. And I know a lot of people use social media like Facebook and Instagram sometimes more than Google, and we try to have those covered as well. But I'm still thinking the n website is the number one place for the first touch. Although I admitted to Chris, that was my opinion 10 years ago, and the times there are, are changing, so we've got to keep our eyes open on that. So I'm still really big into the Internet, though, and when I'm doing a little Internet research for today's sermon topic, I was surprised. No, it was more like shocked. When I looked into the concept of sphere of influence online, I'm looking for a discussion of how it is that we individually exert our influence on the world. 
And instead, I got stuff back that looked like this. What are the four spheres of influence? Human existence is moderated by four spheres of influence and organization in which the transmission of information and the propagation of organization is key. The four spheres are the biosphere, the symbolosphere, the technosphere, and the econosphere, where the latter two spheres are actually subsets of the symbolosphere. Here's another one. Here's a model that includes six subsystems or spheres that exert influence on an individual, the workplace, family, religion, legal system, community, and profession. The study also examines the role of materiality. And it fascinated me that there's so much out there that describes itself as discussing spheres of influence, including those descriptions we just gave, that deals principally about how an individual is influenced by various spheres or things around the individual. It's as though the studies focused on the individual as being sort of insular and compartmentalized and how those compartments are formed and what they look like, the individual as a consumer was paramount. Now, if you were curious about your sphere of influence and you started to do that internet re research, you might have stopped right there. Your search on information on how you might affect the world Instead, point it back to have you shift your focus back to yourself, to look inwardly rather than outwardly. Now, if you keep digging, you'll finally find sites that talk about the concept of sphere of influence in the manner that we're talking about, who you affect and why you affect them. Now, interestingly here, depending on the type of site, different spheres of influence are discussed. For example, in the business context, the website says this, your sphere of influence is your network of personal and industry connections. Or it says your sphere of influence are people in your personal and professional network with whom your opinion or services hold some weight. In fact, most of the sphere of influence discussion online is business related, mostly aimed at real estate agents. I don't know why, but it's real estate agents and it's mainly about beefing up your, like your presence on social media. So it's no wonder that when we speak about expanding the sphere of influence of the church, we're almost handcuffed to these types of business concepts to which we've been exposed. The idea of spreading the influence of the church is ratcheted down to a bunch of secular business concepts, which aren't bad concepts, but they're just not scriptural. So I ask you to think for a moment about our Hitting the Streets campaign yesterday where a, 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 not an insignificant group of folks from this church brought food and supplies out on the streets to the homeless. I can pretty much promise you that that is not described as one of the seven effective strategies for increasing your sphere of influence as a real estate agent or any other profession. But inherently, we know that it's the right thing to do morally, ethically, and spiritually, and that we expect that the activity that we did out on the street enhances the bottom line of our church. Well, not, not the bottom line financially. Well, maybe not even the bottom line in the community, because I don't know if the community knows that we went out and did that, but we believe that it enhances the bottom line of the church with God in his eyes, and presumably also in the eyes of those people to whom we were ministering. In our scripture moments ago, the prophet Ezekiel says that through the Israelites, through them, God will demonstrate his holiness to the nations. So here's a quick question for you. 
Why did God choose Israel? Of all the nations of the earth, why did God choose to bless that little tribe of people? Why did God say, I'm going to give them my name and shower upon them my honor and my glory? All right, put that aside for a second. Let's ask a question that may be a little more relevant to us right now. Why did God choose to redeem us? We as a church family, you as an individual, me as an individual. Why did God redeem us? We don't often ask that question actually thinking we're going to get an answer, although we acknowledge that we really can't pinpoint why we deserve that redemption. But God has a master plan, and he aims to fulfill it now through us, giving us a sphere of influence that's like the Israelites had over all the nations if we will consent to take on the challenge. So when God chose Israel, he was looking for a people who would embody his name and embrace his character and would live in a way that others saw that God was true and holy. He wanted people who would embrace his mission to the nations, to commit to God's desire to be known among all people. He wanted people who would obey his word. Okay, so Israel got like zero out of three correct on the test. But because the children were not faithful to that purpose, God said, I'm going to further insert myself, not allow my name to be profaned among the nations. So Ezekiel outlines in that scripture we just read what God's solution is. And God says, I've got a strategy. I've got a plan. I'm going to put myself in a people in such a unique way that I'm going to show myself holy among them, among the nations. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord. So one writer put it this way about what was going on with Israel. He says, look, Israel had assumed that the blessing of God was to be consumed rather than conveyed. The church in North America, he says, is at the same crisis turning point that Israel was when the prophet declared this opportunity. We've been so blessed as a nation We've been so blessed as a church. We've been so blessed as a people, and yet we oftentimes come to consume the blessing rather than convey the blessing. And that's where Israel was. Similarly today, we are not to be exuding consumption, but instead exuding a humbleness, a humility that's so attractive that people begin to say, who are these people and why do they live this way? I know you've experienced that before when you've seen somebody and you've said, I don't know what it is, but I want what he or she has. It takes practice to be that way. The inclination of a lot of us is to say, well, I'm humble. But the minute you feel like you need to utter those words, you need to get back in the practice line. You're either humble or you aren't. I guess the way to know where you stand on that is to see how other people react to you. Now, I can't speak for everyone who was out there yesterday with us, with the homeless, feeding them and bringing them supplies and praying with them. But I suspect that most, if not all of our participants, experienced at some point in time during that day a moment of happiness that was not simply a function of just doing something nice for someone else, but a result of stripping away all pretense and humbling oneself to a point where all that was coming out of you was goodness. Being in a mission setting like that is a great place to practice.
practice humility. But it can be difficult to be that person when you're concerned with wrangling about all the usual social strata that we wrangle with, and the biosphere, and the symbolosphere, and the technosphere, and the econosphere, where the latter two spheres are actually subsets of the symbolosphere. The Old Testament depiction of Israel signifies likely a problem with our own hearts as well. Israel had the prophets, and they didn't listen. In the same way, we have the gospel. We have the light of Christ. To what degree are we being like Israel, stubbornly rejecting the gospel so that we can live for ourselves? If I had to put a finger on an overarching theme of this series of sermons we've had for Lent on being a kingdom people and a kingdom church, I think the theme is this. It ain't easy. And here's the thing. No one ever said it was. In fact, Paul told the Philippians in, in Philippians 3, he says, in essence, living a life for Christ is as far as east is from the west as compared to living an ordinary life. He said this, what is more, I consider everything a loss. That was in the song, the second song. He says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I lost all things. I consider them garbage. It's literally what it says in the scripture. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Paul was willing to give up everything, not because he needed God's affection or to earn God's affection, but because Paul loved God so much, because Paul wanted to know more about God, because Paul wanted to know Jesus intimately, because Paul wanted to live like Jesus. The apostle Paul was totally transformed. For us, that story about Israel comes across as a story of hard-heartedness, but it's also largely our story, although it doesn't have to be. God wants a holy people who love him and who are careful to keep his commandments. God is willing to do everything to make that happen. He told us last week in our scripture, he says, if you have this kind of faith, this deep faith, you can do everything that Jesus did and even more than that. In fact, as it turns out, that global sphere that the God and the Israelites were talking about, that global sphere of influence is our sphere as well. That was confirmed by Jesus in the famous scripture, Acts 1.8, when he says, but you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. By naming those geographic locations, he was essentially saying, you'll be my witnesses in your neighborhood, in the state, in the region, and in the entire world. That's the whole point of God blessing us in the first place, is for us to be a kingdom people and a kingdom church and to reach the nation. So ask yourself today, what exactly is my current sphere of influence to the world as a Christian? We dipped our toe in the water yesterday with our mission project that showed we can start ever, anywhere. Now that we have started, we need to keep going to be conveyors of the blessing and not just consumers. Let us pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, when we recognize that your blessing is upon us and that it is for us to convey to others, Lord, what a wonderful, sweet obligation that is. Help us to live into that, Lord, to never be selfish, to always be selfish, be looking for the opportunity to pass on the good things you give us to others so that we can show our faithfulness to you, show our faithfulness to a world that needs to understand why it's so important to have you front and center for them and to have Jesus as a Lord and Savior. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord and Savior. Amen.